Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, last week I started off by asking you, do you daydream? And of course, most of us daydream, and I don't think we put unpleasant things in daydreams. We dream of the good. Well, I want to change just a bit. Do you have expectations? Do you expect life to go a certain way? Do you expect that things will always be smooth? It's hard not to. We think about life, we think about it going smoothly, it kind of morphs over into expectations that it will. And you know what? You can have periods of time in this world where things go very smoothly. But we need to always understand the nature of the place that we live in. That it is deeply affected by sin and sinful nature, God's curse, Satan. That's the reality of it. So it becomes very important for us to be prepped for that kind of thing, just as we are to be prepped for Jesus' coming again. As you look at Scripture, as it talks about the things that precede Jesus coming again, it doesn't talk about prosperity or ease or peace. It, it, it talks about difficulty. So the disciples of Jesus need to be ready to do their work and hold tightly on to God and be ready to do that in an adverse environment. And I would propose that you don't get prepared for that when it happens, you get prepared for it when things are going relatively smoothly for you. Now, the original set of disciples clearly had a set of expectations. They don't say it, but you can infer it from, from what, what they said and what they did. They thought, and, and I get it, they thought, I'm with the Messiah what could possibly go wrong? And, and so they had dreams of grandeur and glory. And Jesus knew better, so he sets them straight. And if I could say, this is the sermon in a nutshell, uh, this is it. Jesus says to them, in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, I do notice that he didn't say, well, you might have troubles. No, he says, you will. But he always pushes our hope, our joy, back to the fact that Jesus is going to win the victory. He had won the victory. And now for us, we have not only his presence, but eternal life with him. That's where... Our true joy, our true strength lies. Now, there's a few other things that get said to the disciples of Jesus before Jesus leaves. And I want you to notice uh, some of them in our text today. So if you look at the gospel lesson, and you look at um, verse 5, Jesus pretty much tells them it's not going to be a real quick thing. A lot of the people in the first century Christian church thought, 
When Jesus said soon, he meant, you know, next few weeks, next few months, next few years, in my lifetime, for sure. But in this parable, and also in the one that's coming up next week, Jesus gives a very strong hint that, no, it's not going to be like that. So he says in here, the bridegroom was a long time in coming. He wasn't going to come during their lifetime or for many generations after that. Here we are, 2023. Is it an empty promise? Did they forget about us? No. No, you have to realize God's timeline. Very different than ours. But every year that goes by increases the likelihood that that now you are really near to Jesus's return. And so that's why Jesus at the very end of that text anyway says, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You don't know it. You can't know it. Therefore, what you need to do is to be prepared always. So he says, keep watch. He's not asking you for to sit there and look up at the sky. He's asking for, for something else. What's he asking for? Well, in this particular story, he gives the example of this wedding party waiting for the bridegroom to come back. And they are holding oil lamps. And inside the oil lamps, of course, is what? Oil. What does that mean in the metaphor? What is the oil of the oil lamp? It points to the very fact that our faith connection to Jesus is something that needs to be constantly fed. If it isn't fed, in time it dries up and it goes out. That is just the nature of it. How do you keep oil in your lamp? That is what the power of God's word working through the Holy Spirit does. That is what the Lord's Supper is for. I would add to it, it's certainly assisted by, by you walking and working with God and communicating with him in prayer. All those things keep that faith vital. It keeps oil in your lamps. So that it doesn't burn out. Now, stealing a little thunder from next week. But next week's going to say, you keep doing the role that I give you. Understand your God-given purpose. Be found doing it. And I would say that is true. Whether it is suddenly Jesus comes, but you're busy doing it, or, or the time of your life on this earth comes. You want to be faithfully doing what God sends you. And then to kind of connect it with the the little angle that I wanted to look at today. Jesus also says, and, and God says it in various ways throughout Scripture, do not trust in princes. In other words, you're going to see a lot of life trouble. Don't think that governments or leaders are necessarily going to be the source of what fixes it. And we tend to over-rely on that. Now, throughout the course of human history, from Jesus' original disciples to now, 
there has always been a set of troubles that have caused people to, to fret about Jesus is coming again. And I don't have to say, relative to people living in the year 1000, for example, I like when I live. You know, it is a lot easier now than it was a long, long time ago. But let's not ignore the the problems that loom on the horizon. They haven't really affected life in Evansville all that much at this point. But they certainly have the potential to. Are you ready if they do? What am I talking about? Well, there's always been the threat of war, right? Jesus says there will be wars and rumors of wars. Only since the 40s have, have the, these wars had the potential to be nuclear wars. Very different than people beating each other with swords and clubs, right? And for much of my life, much of your life, there was uh, ever-present danger. The United States and the Soviet Union were at each other's throats. And then in the early 90s, it just all kind of went away. And we all went, ah, until just a few years ago, right? And then Putin's little thing with Ukraine and what's that all about? And it comes out that, that he has this dream of reuniting the Soviet Empire. And then his rhetoric from him and his cronies about nuclear war. And suddenly we're back where we used to be. And we go, well, at least I knew what that was like. And then China says, well, I, we think of Taiwan as being part of China, even though I don't think it ever has been. And the people in Taiwan don't want to be ruled by the Communist Party, but they say, oh, no, and they build up, and they are very nuclear-capable as well. And we go, well, that's actually a little worse. And then a couple of weeks ago, the one fire that kind of seemed like it would be the one to light one off from, the, from a biblical standpoint, Israel has conflict with Islam, really, and we got all that stirring. And will it settle down and will it go away or will it accelerate? I don't know. But I want to be prepared. As far as my walk with God, I want to be prepared. I can't stop any of these people from going nuts. They're like th three sets of idiots in a field full of dry grass playing with fire. But then, like the commercials go, wait, there's more. Okay, so if we don't have enough to worry about with that, there's more. And we got the environment and what it could possibly evolve to be. It hasn't really affected Evansville yet. It has affected different parts of the world. Will it accelerate? How far will it? I mean, you got a lot of dire predictions. I think we can be certain that it is happening. I think we can be certain that we're involved with it. How, how terrible will it be? I don't know. And how will those, that problem, affect the one before it? I don't know. But then, wait, there's more. 
there's a lot of tension, some of it behind the scenes, about whether America can even operate as a democracy anymore. And certain groups who are starting to think that oh, maybe it's not good that it's democracy. And our own internal cohesion becomes another point of concern. And then you could add to it something similar to Amos 5. Israel's problems didn't come from just natural problems or human problems exactly. They were a human problem, but it was God's wrath that, that dealt with it. Will God feel the need to deal with us as a nation? Because we don't pay attention to him, don't care about him, don't honor him, don't follow his ways anymore. Like I said, all these things are they're legitimate threats that haven't really impacted life yet. The question before us is, if it happens, if any of these things happen, will we be strengthened by it? Will we be strong? Will we be brave? Will we collapse? Will we be offended? Will we say, why doesn't God stop this and not understand why he doesn't? That is why we need to have a strong faith and understand what is expected of us as disciples right now on still relatively smooth water. A couple of things that I pulled together there in, in uh, part two in your outline. One, if we can impact the world, certainly we should. But when we go and impact the world, we need to understand that God cares as much about the means as he does the ends. He doesn't just say, okay, here's where I want you to be, and I don't care how you get there. No, every example I can think of, God cares about both ends and means. But you might be surrounded by people who think, I can just cut to the end. Whatever the end result is, that's what I'll do. A sort of smallish example would be to say, oh, I think, God, we, we have to stop the killing of babies and abortion, and therefore we'll get there by killing people who do abortion. Okay, That's just an example of ignoring the means to get to the ends, and God does not support that. And in all these, you need God, God's support. I probably should put these in different order, but indeed, the same kind of thing, uh, same kind of issues at heart. When we're trying to be influential on, on our society so that God does not come crashing down on us, the way that the kingdom of God needs to go about it is not by legislation necessarily, it's by winning hearts and minds. Cutting to the end and thinking you can fix it by law just isn't going to work because you can never legislate morality in people. But you can change them. You can change them with God's word. 
Another thing that I think we should always hold on to, and, and maybe some of us are more tend toward it than, than others, is this. When things go bad, you don't panic! You, you go to God in prayer. And if your prayer life has been fairly lightweight to this day, maybe now's the time to become less of a lightweight in prayer. Because the important part about it is not that you need to inform God what's going on. He knows what's going on. But you need to experience, and you do experience this when, when you do dedicate yourself to prayer. You experience that you are speaking to the almighty, all-powerful God, and he is listening to you, and he is responding to you. And that is something you need to know, especially if everything around you starts to go south. And then right back to the theme of today's message. Do not let your faith just wither and die. And don't presume because you say, oh, well, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never fall away. Do not take that for granted. To be fed in word and sacrament is not, not something that's suggested. It is vital to the very fact that we remain strong. Because the last thing we want to be, and Jesus tells this, this parable for a reason, that when it finally does time, come time for us to go, whether it is Jesus coming again or it is our departure in life, it doesn't help you much if you had faith once upon a time. You know, like in your early years. But, but now, at this time, at this critical time, you have nothing. And it seems kind of cruel, but is Jesus making a point? You know, the, the five virgins who are unwise, they come to the door, they knock on the door, and the bridegroom doesn't say, well, you're late, but come on in. No, he says, go away, I never knew you. That's not what we want to hear. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, not go away, I never knew you. We are meant to be in this wedding feast. We are meant to be disciples of Jesus in good times and in bad. And I say we are meant to be that because God has called us to faith in his son who gave up his life so that our sins might be forgiven. And he's called us out by the Holy Spirit and given us a trust in that event and in that promise because we are meant to win and to succeed in overcoming this world and entering into the marriage feast. And that is our goal and that is our hope. And it needs to be the thing that is your strength especially when things get tough. May God help you to be prepared. In Jesus' name, amen.